Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Look, the real winner in the debate last night was Donald Trump. Because I worry that we may very well be on the way to nominating somebody who cannot win in November. And if we choose a candidate who appeals to a small base like Senator Sanders, it will be a fatal error. We need Democrats and Independents and Republicans to win. Bloomberg is right about a lot of things. Not seizing guns. Not seizing soda. But um, he was the most rational one on the stage. We know he's tacking to the left in order to appeal to the crazies of the Democrat Party. But there is no question in my mind that with uh, crazy Bernie, as Trump calls him, I call him something else. He's a naked communist. He's been a naked communist his entire rotten, stinking, pathetic, dirty life. And the only thing you have to understand is that this is a good thing for America. Now, it's good because Trump will win by a landslide, either 60, 40, 70, 30, maybe even 80, 20 uh, of the popular vote. Even Democrats won't vote for that dirty man. They will not vote for that filthy, dirty, lying, thieving, racist bum Sanders. No. Now, I say racist because every other word out of Sanders' mouth is how bad white people are, how evil white people are. If that's not racist, uh, pardon me, what is? So even the, um, the Democrats are saying that they'll lose 49 states to Trump if Bernie is nominee. I want to bring you back in time to 1972. This is what we're talking about. We had McGovern, the anti-war leftist, running against Nixon. The left went crazy. The hippies loved him. The marijuana smokers loved him. The rioters loved him. The radicals in college loved him. The draft dodgers loved him. <laughs> And they were dancing in the streets. And he almost destroyed 
his old friend Hubert Humphrey. Humphrey was a centrist Democrat. The McGovern campaign was very much like the Bernie campaign. It was an insurgency of the left. And then McGovern won all of California's giant delegation. He beat Humphrey 44.3 to 39.1 in the popular vote in California. It was not as big as McGovern had hoped for. However, the uh, rest became history. Nixon focused early and often on the more radical views of McGovern. Nixon highlighted his support of amnesty for Americans who fled to Canada to avoid the, the draft. Uh, Nixon definitely excoriated McGovern for what he was, and he isolated his opponent on the far left, and doing so resulted in Nixon capturing more than 60% of the national vote to 37.5 for McGovern. Only Massachusetts and Washington, D.C. kept McGovern from a total wipeout in the Electoral College, which Nixon won 520 to 17. Now, what's interesting here is establishment Democrats at the time had feared that McGovern would become, quote, a Goldwater of the left. Now, I'm a I'm a fan of Goldwater. I've loved Goldwater. I would have voted for him. He was the first one I ever liked in politics. But let's put Goldwater aside. The Democrats of the time feared that McGovern would become, quote, a Goldwater of the left. And he did. So I am hereby declaring today. On the 20th of February in the year 2020. Oh, that's good. 220, 2020. Wow. Oh, you numerologists out there. 220, 2020. Savage says Sanders is the David Duke of the left. This will stick. This is going to stick because the special grievance brigades uh, that you saw last night, the screaming children, the girls who were screeching. The hysterical college girls, they, they bust in from University of Nevada at Las Vegas. I don't know where they got them. All. I find it so low class to have an audience of screechers and screamers. I don't know about you, but I'm, a, I'm ashamed to live in a nation that lets college students screech in the background when candidates are trying to present their views for the future of this nation. But then again, I'm that kind of guy. So you had the special grievance brigades in the peanut galleries last night. Uh, cheering when their purity tests were met and jeering when their purity tests were not met. And they were all there for one reason, to sabotage Bloomberg's campaign. Isn't that interesting? These insane Democrats seem set on renominating Donald Trump, who will definitely win. And there's no question in my mind, the only one who could stop Trump is Trump himself. I have said this, I'll say it again. Maybe I'll never be invited to another Hanukkah party. Maybe I'll never get another hot dog on Air Force One. Maybe I'll never get a plate of ice cream. Even if I did, I can't eat hot dogs anymore. I never did eat them anyway, but I had to on the plane. And what are you going to do if the president's eating hot dogs in the office you want and you're starving? You're going to say, I don't eat that. It's against my religion. I ate. I won't eat it now, though. I wouldn't eat it hot. I wouldn't eat a hot dog. I wouldn't eat an ice cream. But even if the president's not that thin-skinned, which I don't think he is, he's a, he's a realist. Uh, the fact of the matter is, this is the craziest time in America that a far-left communist, incidentally, your grandfather, who may have fought in Korea, I doubt it, though, anyone who knows anyone who fought in Korea or Vietnam, there are many Vietnam vets, you know that those wars were fought to stop communism? Do you understand that veterans listening to this show who flew fighter jets against the communist North Vietnamese 
understand that Sanders is the epitome of the very thing that they were fighting against in Vietnam? That Ho Chi Minh was more to the center than Bernie Sanders is. Ho Chi Minh was a nationalist. Sanders isn't even a nationalist. Ho Chi Minh loved the Vietnamese people. Sanders hates the American people. Sanders is one of the most dangerous and the most interesting candidates in American history because how an extremist who represents the worst in the American political system can get this far shows you just how far the American mind has fallen. Probably a combination of drugs, brainwashing in the universities, and of course, this should not be forgotten. It's very important you should know this. A new study has found that most journalists are further left politically than Bernie Sanders. It came out in the Gateway Pundit that the vast majority of low-income losers who work in the media are on the left, and they're more to the left than Bernie Sanders is. It, it doesn't matter that they're to the left, but they're stupid. Most so-called journalists are really fair. If they lived in Venezuela or Cuba, they'd be very fair government agents. But an academic study found that they're actually to the left of Bernie Sanders. A full 78% of journalists are more liberal than the average Twitter user. Can you believe this? 66% are more liberal than former President Obama. 62% of the, quote, journalists are to the left of the median Senate Democrat. 14% are more to the left than occasional Cortexes, one of the most psychotic racists in uh, the House of Representatives. In short, my friends, journalists, so-called, are liberal Democrats and far to the left of the average American. And so now you understand why you're hearing the, this, the cheering in the audience, because the, the people who uh, run these debates pick the hysterical college girls uh, for the day to scream and yell in the background, embarrassing America like that. But let's not forget this is actually good. Bloomberg said Trump was the real winner of the debate. He said that an hour ago. We played the soundbite. Trump won the Democratic debate uh, in Las Vegas, according to former New York City Mayor Bloomberg. He said, so how was your night last night, Bloomberg Quip, at a campaign rally on this day? And he said, look, the real winner of the debate last night was Donald Trump. I worry we, we, we may well be on the way to nominating somebody who cannot win in November. And if we choose a candidate who appeals to a very small base like Senator Sanders, it will be a fatal error he had it. We need Democrats and independents and Republicans to win. He's absolutely right. Meaning he needs them to come over to vote for him. He's got the Dems. He needs Indies and he needs Repubs to cross over to him. Which leads me to the next loaded statement. I don't think he's finished. I'm the only one in the entire media who doesn't think that Bloomberg is finished. The geniuses in the media all say he's done. I say he's not done. Did that, does that mean I'm going to vote for him? No. Does it mean that I uh, admire him? No. I'm asking a different question which I asked on Twitter. And I want everyone listening to this show, if you're not on Twitter, I want you to join me on Twitter by going to, you don't, many of you don't have a Twitter account. Would you please get one? My Twitter account is rising by about 100,000 a week right now because they've realized that many of the things I'm saying are what people want to hear or need to hear or need to discuss. And all you got to do is go on to Twitter and create an account uh, and you go to me, which is at a savage nation, at a savage nation. And then you could respond to me. You could see my tweets. Um, and I said today, Sanders is the David Duke of the left with five exclamation points. Or is it one, two, three, four, eight exclamation points. Prior to that, I tweeted 48 minutes ago, McGovern versus Nixon were due 1972. 
Dems lost 49 states. When will they ever learn? Before that, two hours ago, I tweeted, am I the only media person who thinks Bloomberg is not finished? And 16 hours ago, after watching the fulminating seltzer man spit all over himself and spritz the other candidates with his spittle, I wrote, burn these Sanders as insane with rage. He hates all successful white people. Did you notice that? Have you noticed his enmity towards white people? Doesn't this bother you? Now, last night I tweeted, we're not going to throw out capitalism. That was tried. It's called communism. That was one of Bloomberg's best lines of the night. Warren, who was one of the meanest looking women on the planet, uh, is a classic college communist, leftist, socialist liar, who had the nerve last night to say we should give $7 billion to unqualified minorities and they will all be successful entrepreneurs. This is a woman who has never created a successful, or I don't even know if she ever tried, a product or a service that anyone ever needs. This is classic college teacher stupidity. Do you know how hard it is to start a real business? Ask anyone who owns a small store or a small online store or a small business how hard it is to run even a coffee shop. She doesn't know the first thing about that. And she thinks by throwing $7 billion at unqualified minorities, they're all going to be successful. See, this goes to the damn mantra. Profits are evil. Only government jobs are good. This is how stupid they are. Profits are evil to all of the leftists. Now, last night, a lying commie Bernie promised 20 million imaginary jobs in non-existent industries. How could anyone not see that this guy is a liar and a thief? You want to know what an existential crisis is? It's not uh, climate change. It's 20 million imaginary jobs in non-existent industries. Here is a communist, Bernie Sanders, who never created a job or a service outside of government, who's promising 20 million new jobs in imaginary industries. And the idiots in colleges believe this con man. Last night, they talked about climate change. The warmest maniacs who never went to the fifth grade in terms of science do not even understand that Earth's temperatures rose before carbon dioxide levels rose. I know that's complicated. I know it, under, it, it undermines all of your thinking. But CO2 does not drive Earth's temperature. It's the reverse. It's the rising temperature of the Earth that drives CO2 levels. Now, ask Kami Sanders which gas plants need for growth. I bet he'd get it backwards. He is a fifth grader, if, if that, I would say a smart fifth grader knows more about CO2 and oxygen than Bernie Sanders does. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. If you trust the government, well, stop listening. If you don't trust the government, start preparing. Why? Because emergencies seem to happen overnight, overnight, overnight. Quarantine, civil unrest, economic turmoil, and more all usually happen in the blink of an eye before you know it. You want to be part of that chaos and the possibility of having to deal with FEMA food lines? I don't. Those that know what could happen are using today to prepare for tomorrow. I already have. I built an emergency food supply with my Patriot Supply. This week, save $70 on a two-week emergency food kit when you go to my special website, preparewithsavage.com. 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 My Patriot Supply food kits last up to 25 years in storage. 
and they include breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Order a few today and receive guaranteed two-day delivery discreetly to your door. No one will know what you're getting. You could keep it in a nice, cool closet. Those who know what's coming are preparing for tomorrow. Please don't wait. Prepare with Savage.com. Prepare with Savage.com. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What did I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House 2. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Where is your home? Which tax tax haven do you have your home? New York City, thank you very much. And I pay all my taxes. And I'm happy to do it because I get something for it. He beat Bernie to a pulp. You know, the media is so twisted that they would have you believe that um, Bloomberg was beaten up. I mean, I don't know what's with the New York Post with the black face, black and blue, but I mean, he's finished. He's not finished. He's only gotten started. He punched Bernie, <clears throat> beat him to a pulp. Bernie is the classic hypocrite. Three houses and he claims to be a socialist. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? And the idiot girls, the hysterical girls from UNLV cheer wildly when he says he has three houses and that. Well, that's the way communists are. No, it is true that I do have three houses, and I am proud of it. That is absolutely true. Yes, I work in Washington, house number one. It's true I will not rent. I am not a poor white trash. I am a person of means. I made a lot of money writing books and hoodwinking the public. Why should I not have a townhouse in Washington? So, yes, I am proud of that. Uh, number two, I live in Burlington. I have a mansion there. Why should I not have a mansion there? I hoodwink people. We rob money from a college fund. We destroyed a college. We busted it out, uh, as we learned from the mafia. And yes, we have a house in Burlington. And I am proud of the fact that we busted out a college to get it. I have nothing to apologize for. And number three, just like communists had a dacha in the country, unlike thousands of other Vermonters, we have a, a summer home, a good dacha. So yes, I am very proud of the fact that through lies and through cheating and through stealing, I have gotten very far in America. That is the American system. Thank you very much, Mr. Bloomberg. This is what you're going to vote for? You people are that stupid? Do you agree with the media that Bloomberg is finished? Do you agree with the media that Bloomberg is finished? Do you agree with the media that Bloomberg is finished? The phone number here is 855 And remember... Don't wait for hour two. If you get on with Savage, you'll reach more people than you've met in your entire life. And number two, remember, this is Dr. Michael Savage, the chairman of the uh, Graduate School of uh, Political Science, where everyone is invited to comment and everyone gets an A. Don't be shy. Now, can you imagine what they did to poor Klobuchar last night? I, I never cared for her. I actually felt bad for her last night. They attacked her because she forgot the name of the latest narco president of Mexico. What is that, a crime against humanity? Who can keep up with their name? Do you know the name of the president of Mexico? I don't. How can I know? I mean, they rotate them. If they don't like him, they assassinate them and put in another one. How could you remember the name of the latest president of Mexico? What does that make us, stupid? They could change it tomorrow, you wouldn't know. Unfortunately, you don't understand that uh, she doesn't understand or maybe she understands too well as a member of the Foreign Services Committee, uh, that it's a sort of rotating presidency in Mexico. You know, whatever Lola wants, Lola gets, so to speak. Okay. Is Bloomberg finished, yes or no? Michael Savage, a host like no other. 
Are you looking for a way to save some extra money? Well, I would say start by paying less interest on your credit card balances. How do you do that? Simple. Refinance with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. It's an easy way to save hundreds to thousands of dollars and lower your interest rate. Now listen, Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with auto pay. That's a pretty good rate. There are absolutely no fees and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience and that's exactly what they deliver to you. Just for my listeners, pay attention. Apply now to get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount, listen, is to go to lightstream.com slash savage. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash savage. Lightstream.com slash savage and slash your credit card interest just by going to lightstream.com slash savage. Did you hear what I said? Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers a subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash savage for more information. I don't think there's any chance of uh, the senator beating President Trump. You don't start out by saying, uh, I've got 160 million people. I'm going to take away the insurance plan that they love. That's just not a ways that you go and start building the coalition that the Sanders camp thinks that they can do. I don't think there's any chance whatsoever. And if he goes and is the candidate, we will have Donald Trump for another four years, and we can't stand that. Well, that's the interesting question. Why did Bloomberg suddenly decide to run? He's 78. He's worth $58 billion. Does he need the money? Does he need it, service? So he's running because the Democrat establishment, meaning whoever that may be, the Clinton billionaires, the Obama billionaires, the silent billionaires who make believe they're for the poor and the minority, the ones who really run the whole Democrat machine, uh, whether it's in California where they all hate minorities and make believe they don't. I mean, be very clear. It's all phony, the whole thing, from top to bottom. They're terrified that this communist fumer, the spritzer from uh, Vermont, really from Brooklyn, the Brooklyn spritzer, Bernie Sanders, a lifetime communist, uh, it could take the, uh, the the presidency, and they're terrified that he would destroy them because he'd come after them uh, viciously. Now, of course, he can't win. Even if he wins the Democrat nomination, he's not going to win America because America is not, to, to, not even to the left. America is a centrist nation, I would even say center-right. Every poll I've ever seen on most issues make America a center-right nation on almost every issue. The media are twisted drug addicts, by and large, whether it's legitimate pharmaceuticals or they're on Adderall uh, as part of their daily uh, uh, snort. They're all stoned out of their minds. They don't know what the average person uh, even thinks anymore, nor nor do they care. So I'm asking a loaded question because I think you know where I stand because I don't think he's finished, but I'll take your calls on it. I ask the question. Is, uh, is am I the only media person who thinks Bloomberg is not finished? I don't think he's finished. He was put in there to make sure that Sanders doesn't get the nomination. Who Who's going to get it then? You know, if you turned the TV off last night and watched it, what you saw was a hateful old man in a crumpled suit screaming and spritzing. That was Bernie, uh, the seltzer man Sanders. 
a fuming uh, communist from New York who had to leave New York even in the 70s because he couldn't make it there as a bum, a mook. Uh, so he, he, he goes to Vermont. He hoodwinks the people of Burlington and make him a, a mayor by giving him the same crap. And now here he is all of a sudden. He can almost smell the nomination. Him and his uh, con woman wife can almost smell the nomination. Do you know what they did in Vermont? You know, if we really had a media, you wouldn't stop hearing about it. They took over a college. They busted it out and destroyed the college and took the money. I don't understand you people. How could you even take this guy seriously? He's a naked con man, a communist. But okay, people don't know history and they're condemned to repeat it. Bloomberg was put in there to stop this madness. And uh, he did a very good job. And they all attacked him. But I've given you an example. It's McGovern versus Nixon, Redu, where Dems lost 49 states, and they will never learn. Never. But what do you think is the issue? The Roger Stone sentencing, do you really care? I mean, it's an interesting story, but why? He's a friend of Donald Trump. He really didn't do much wrong. Who did he lie to? Well, he lied to the FBI, but so did about six other people who were never indicted. All right. I still say Trump should not have pardoned him right now or shouldn't have gotten involved in tweeting about him. I think he should have waited to get reelected. I don't think this is going to help Trump. But I don't think Trump cares that much. I think he's a very loyal guy. I've told you this before, and I'll tell it to you again. He never forgets his friends, and Stone is an old friend of his. And moreover, he never forgets his enemies. He knows who uh, backed people against him in 2016. He knows their names. Oh, he may pat them on the back like the little boys that they are. But he told me personally he knows who they are. He doesn't trust them as far as you could throw a, a hot dog stand. They're all hoping to get something from him. He never forgets his enemies. And he also knows who's loyal to him and why. So, okay, so that's why he's backing uh, uh, him right now, Stone. All right, fine. I saw a story that I want to talk about in a minute before I get to your calls that uh, you should know about. It's a very disturbing story that has nothing to do with American politics. And I don't even know if you should look at it. It's still up on my website. A um, rugby player in Australia, good-looking, burly white guy, has a beautiful wife and three kids. He uh, can't make a living. He's living on people's couches, and she throws him out. And he starts stalking his wife. And the other night in Australia, I, I couldn't believe the story. I don't understand how people do this. He, he catches up with his wife and three beautiful young children. He throws a can of gasoline into the car and burns them to death. And then he uh, stabs himself uh, to death. I ask myself, when has humanity fallen to this level? How is this happening? How does a father burn his wife and three children to death in a car? How? And there is only one answer for this. Psychopharmaceuticals that are driving half the world insane. There's no question this guy was uh, financially in, in trouble. Ex, you know, ex-ball player, couldn't make a buck. A lot of these guys are, you know, they're, they're, ball, they're ball players. That's all they are. Doesn't mean they're bad. They have no skills to make a living. So he go, falls on hard times, and uh, they get a divorce, or she throws them out, and he starts to stalk them for months, tracks her mobile phone, and then he kidnaps one of his children, flees, but that's not enough for him. 
He sets his little children, Ayala 6, Liana 4, and Trey 3, and his wife on fire after locking the doors in the car, and then stabs himself to death in his Kia Sportage in Australia. I think it's long overdue that somebody do what I've been screaming about since 1983. You've got to rein in the wide-scale dispensing of psychopharmaceuticals. These antidepressants are deadly. There have been numerous murders by people on antidepressants. All these school shootings, I can guarantee you the largest percentage of them are high on the antidepressants. And uh, no one seems to pay much attention to it because the pharmaceutical, we know about OxyContin. We know about the dangers of, of opiates. And there's been long overdue people got you know aware of that. But how about the dangers of these psychopharmaceuticals that allegedly help you with depression? You know, with drugs, you have to pay the piper. And uh, eventually, all drugs catch up with you. And I'm going to do a jump cut to Hitler. Hitler was stoned on meth during his entire life. This is a great story from uh, history. All in the 1930s, methamphetamine was sold like lozenges in, in pharmacies around Germany. They were le- it was legal. I forget the name of the pharmaceutical firm. They put out methamphetamine like lifesavers, and people were using them all day long in Germany. They were popping them like you drink a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or whatever you use for caffeine. In Germany, they were popping methamphetamine under a brand name, making it sound like it was a safe drug, meth. So most of Germany was on meth when Hitler came along, which explains, by the way, why he was able to get away with what he did. So then he becomes hooked on methamphetamine and other drugs, by the way, Hitler does. And then during World War II, the Wehrmacht, the German army, the regular army, were all high on methamphetamine in battle. They were able to fight for two, three days at a time without sleep. And then eventually they would become psychotic from the methamphetamine, and they didn't even know if they were shooting at enemy soldiers or shooting in the air. It also is important for you to know that Hitler, while high on meth and several other drugs in a cocktail given to him by a doctor who injected him daily right into his uh, veins, uh, he was high on meth and other drugs, made his military blunders, overriding his own generals, while high on methamphetamine. It's important you know that because... How many of our politicians are high on drugs right now? You look at that stage last night. How many of them were high? And what were they high on? How long has Michael Savage called for drug testing of all politicians? Like forever? At least since I began in radio in the 90s when I started to see crazy behavior of politicians. Statements that were disconnected from reality. The eyes, the the wide pupils. I said that just if you go to work for a corporation, you have to pee in a cup. You work in a corporation, you're going to be drug tested. You take a simple job as a guard in a supermarket, I think you have to be drug tested. And yet people in American politics are not drug tested? The answer is because they're the law. They make the laws. You think they're ever going to pass a law saying the people have the right to know whether I'm stoned out of my mind? You're telling me that this doesn't explain the behavior of most of the politicians who say crazy things and are acting like the enemy of the people? I think it does. But then again, I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. Phone number here is 855-47282. Let's take some calls. Uh, Javier in San Francisco on the issue of is Bloomberg done? What's your opinion? 
Javier, are you there on line one? If not, we will move on. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Is he done or not? Is, is Bloomberg done? Uh, no, I don't think so. He's, he's too rich to, to more or less drop out. And, you know, I'm, I mean, how much has the guy already spent? They What, $400 million? I think that he's going to keep going. Uh, I think Sanders will win the nomination because, let's face it, I mean, that's, that's where it's headed. But to me, he's the perfect counterweight because he definitely exposes Bernie Sanders for what he is. And, of course, you, you know, you, you've been doing it since Bernie Sanders, you know, uh, came onto the scene. So, but, uh, no, he stays on. He stays on, but he's not. Every man who fought in Korea or Vietnam was fighting against communism. They were fighting against the policies that Sanders espouses. You're aware of that, aren't you? Uh, to some degree. I mean, you know, I, I, I will admit that, hey, you're my teacher when it comes to a lot of these historical things. So I, I'll just say. All right. I'm not asking. I'm not trying to bait you into a, a, a position you can't support. Bernie Sanders is a naked communist. He has been from the beginning. It's worked for him this far. And you look at Representative Omar. She married her brother, according to the leader of the Somali community that she is a member of. When in American history could someone who married her own brother stay in Congress? When in American history could a naked communist run for the presidency and not be taken out in a pair of handcuffs? I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. <laughs> Democrats are not going to win. If we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies oh, like please. redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support who the Democratic nominee yeah, is. Right. Yeah, but right. understand this. Yeah, Democrats yeah. take a huge risk yeah. if we just you. substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. So the special grievance candidate, uh, who is her, she's the mo- most specially grieved one, applying her purity test to sabotage Bloomberg. Very nice. Very nice. Very smart. Frankly, the only one who could give Trump a run for his money is Bloomberg, incidentally. I didn't say I'd vote for him. See, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm a realist, and I know reality. I have the best stethoscope in the history of the American media. No one has a better stethoscope. I picked Donald Trump long before you did, and I'm not going to go into ancient history. I, Bloomberg is the only one who has a chance to debate Donald Trump on the issues and maybe, maybe pull some moderates over, some independents over, <clears throat> and uh, maybe even some Republicans. Sanders doesn't have a ghost of a chance. None of the others do. The others are marginal. Bernie Sanders, as I said, is the David Duke of, of the left. He scares even Democrats because they know what he is. They all have met these fulminating communists their whole life. And uh, I don't think Bloomberg is done. But I have a caller, Jim, I can't get to right now from New Hampshire, who says Bloomberg is not done, but the Republicans are becoming too confident i agree a thousand percent when i come back the drugs that hitler was on the drugs that you are on the drugs that they are on right here on the savage nation the way 
Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. It's ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. So there was one adult on the stage last night, and it was um, Michael Bloomberg. I know I'm not supposed to say that. I'm supposed to join the, 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 the charade parade of media morons who just think by calling him Little Mike or Mini Mike is going to get you somewhere. First of all, such a derogatory phrase about a person is not at the level of a president. And I stand by that. I don't really give a damn what you think. If you think you're going to win a presidency simply by mocking people, you're crazy. It's not 2015. It's not new anymore. It's old. It's old. It's boring already. Let's deal with the policies and the issues. On open borders, you know, mini Mike's not much different than uh, Big uh, Donald. They're both open borders, guys. I mean, we're, we're getting a shuck and a jive on the borders. What are you, joke? Where's the wall? When, when, where'd the wall go up? I, it's coming. It's going to be there. I saw it. It was up. Then it was down. It got blown down. It got put up. The ladder came up. The ladder came down. They came in. They didn't come in. A couple came in. A couple didn't come in. 10,000 came in. 30,000 were given green cards. The Indians are coming in with blue cards, yellow cards, green cards. It's good for the economy, but we'll tell a moron building a wall. Where's the wall? I don't a wall. There's no wall. There's a ball. Here's the ball. Follow a bouncing wall. Where's the wall? No wall. Same as Bloomberg. Big business. So big business is behind Bloomberg. Uh, big business is behind Trump. And we, the people, have to sit here and sort it all out amongst ourselves. And uh, the reason I would not vote for Bloomberg is because he has a very bad track record of of uh, seizing, like, like, like controlling what you eat, foods, beverages. If he doesn't like what you eat, you're not going to eat it. Try to ban sodas. That should be something that carries with him forever. Uh, he was stopped by the Korean Grocers Association in New York City because they run many of the great grocery stores in, in New York, and, and they didn't want a good portion of their business ruined by him. Guns, he has no right to uh, uh, override the Second Amendment. That's a huge issue. So I would take him on on the issues, not on his size. And, and making jokes about the platform shoes and this and that, it could be turned around on Trump the other way, by the way. You know, so you got to be very careful with name calling. I had enough of it in grade school, and believe me, I never came out on the bottom. I, uh, I rose as a result of it. People could only put you down so far, and then if you got spunk in you, you're going to rise above it. It's going to actually drive you to fight even more. Watch out for calling a little guy little, because you're going to get your you-know-what kicked. But let's deal with the issues themselves. Let's talk about his issue of they're trying to attack him as being a racist because he actually stopped homicides in New York. This is the part that's ironic to me. He had a stop and frisk policy 
where they knew who were carrying the guns and causing most of the crimes, and he, and he had the police stop them. So he actually, why don't you listen to him in clip five? Listen to this for a minute. If I go back and look at my time in office, the one thing that I'm um, really worried about, embarrassed about, was how it turned out um, with stop and frisk. When I got into office, there were 650 murders a year in New York City. And I thought that my first responsibility was to give people the right to live. That's the basic right of everything. And we started, we adopted a policy which had been in place, uh, the policy that all big uh, police departments use of stop and frisk. All right. And the crime rate dropped from 650 to 300. It went down by 50%. And now the social justice warriors the uh, grievance brigades are screaming he's a racist for taking the guns away from the population and was committing most of the crimes. Have you forgotten what just happened in New York to Teresa Majors? That, may I say, white girl outside of Columbia University was surrounded by three teens. We'll have to use the, uh, the word teens. Who tried to steal her phone and her marijuana. And this girl fought against these these sterling American citizens who have the same vote that I do, well, they will any day. And one of them stabbed her to death. Well, what are you going to do about it? You're not going to say who's doing the crimes? Then maybe it'll be you getting a knife in your stomach next time. Always look away and make believe you can't see what you're seeing. Always make believe you're blind, deaf, and dumb, and then vote for, for Bernie Sanders. I would say that if Bloomberg didn't apologize for the stop and frisk, but actually pulled one of Bernie's tricks of never apologize and always embrace it. He should say, I was very proud of the stop and frisk program because it, uh, at the time, dropped the crime rate by 50% and murders dropped from 650 to 300. I'm very proud of that. But then he said it went out of control and it went too far and uh, they stopped too many people. Well, that's a different statement than, than saying he's apologetic and one thing he's worried about. See, he's letting the far left make him apologize for what was something that actually worked. Big mistake. Now, the next one is very important because it, it separates him from the rest of the uh, communists and losers up there. Listen to clip number seven in uh, the debate from the debate. We maybe want to talk about businesses. I'm the only one here that I think has ever started a business. Is that fair? <laughs> okay. Silence. What we need is... Why are they laughing? Why are the stupid Adderall-addicted children in the audience brought in there by the morons like Chuck, Chuck uh, Todd, up Chuck Todd, hair plug Todd, uh, why did he bring in an audience full of uh, uh, drug addicts from the University of Nevada at Las Vegas to, to sit there and laugh? They don't know anything. You know, one thing I learned when I was young from my parents was respect your elders. And you know why I listened to my elders? Because they were smarter than I was. I'm a student of uh, animal life. And I love to watch seagulls and other animals. I live near the water. One thing I'm very, very impressed with is how the young depend upon the old to lead them into survival. They need to learn from the old. They don't know everything or nothing. Thing comes out of an egg. What does it know? It would starve to death if it wasn't for their elders. It's the same with the audience that Chuck Todd... Uh, stocked there in Las Vegas last night. If it wasn't for elders like me, they'd starve to death. I pay all the taxes. 
So why do they put them there to groan and moan and cheer when they don't know what the hell they're doing? Why? Because the psychopaths in the media need ratings, and they'd rather see a fulminating communist bum like Sanders run against Trump, not because he can win, but because it's good theater and it would make for good ratings, than have a rational billionaire businessman like Bloomberg debate Trump on the issues. And as I said to you before, I'll vote for Trump. But that doesn't mean that Bloomberg doesn't have some good ideas and Bloomberg didn't do some good things. He did, and he does. And I would like to hear the other side from a rational point of view. I think it would make for a better nation. I'm sick and tired of the mudslinging. I'm sick and tired of the name calling. I'm sick and tired of the juvenile nature of the entire political structure. I'm sick and tired of the vermin in the media. I'd love to see a rational debate between rational billionaires. That would be great to see. That would be wonderful. I might feel better about my nation. And then the sexism thing. Again, and the the, uh, social justice warriors. The NDAs. I could care less. Then here comes Bernie again. We have only seven years left. What was it last week? It was a six years, Jim? Twelve? It was 12 years last week. We had 12 years left till we all got flooded to death. I don't know about you, but I just bought uh, stock in a company called Noah's Ark, Inc. NAI. Great company. But I'm stocking up on my Noah's Ark uh, animal, animal problem. <laughs> oh, God. I'm not even eating money animals anymore. I've gone into a largely vegan diet. Yes, I know. I heard the ooh in the audience. Largely vegan. I don't like anything with eyes. Uh, it's not so much for uh, ethical reasons or moral reasons. It's just better for my blood. Uh, no red meat. Sorry to tell you. I never was a big meat eater. In fact, for 40 years, I didn't touch meat. I was much healthier. Then because of the stresses of radio, my whole diet shifted because I needed to fuel the fire. So I thought... Well, anyway, things happen, and my body changed. I changed, my blood changed, uh, and I'm changing. I'm, I'm eating vegan stuff. I like my 80% plant-based. My energy is actually better, not not lower. It's higher, right? I drink one, two glasses of wine. Never touch the vodka again anymore, and uh, and it's I'm a different person, but the same mind is just sharper. It's just sharper and keener. So let's take some callers uh, on, on, oh, wow, I got a caller from Nevada on Hitler's favorite drug. Uh, Carl in Nevada, go ahead, please. You're the uh, caller on the Hitler drug thing. Yeah, you mentioned before, I, I'm retired, but I wasn't in the medical field. Anyway, that uh, you didn't know the company, you've forgotten the name or whatever. Well, his personal doctor was a director of this company, a very well-known great American company called Bayer Aspirin. Bayer was the company. Well, I disagree with you. The original, wait, the original supplier of uh, uh, daily lozenges of, of methamphetamine was not Bayer. It was a small pharmaceutical company in, in Germany. Yeah, but Bayer then took over. Bayer became the largest German uh, pharmaceutical All right, so after this little company introduced methamphetamine to the German public, and it became popular in, uh, in, amongst Hitler, and Hitler used it for the Wehrmacht, you're saying Bayer bought the company out and became the supplier, is that it? Well, they were, they became the biggest. They supplied all the pharmaceuticals to all of Germany, even during World War II. They yeah. were the biggest pharmaceutical company in the in the country, and now they well, they, they they actually are a great company even till today. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying they're not, but that was. No, I, do you know the history of Bayer and and how it started? It's a fascinating uh, side note. I'm sure you do. Uh, you know, to a point. To a point. Okay. Okay. Young Mister Bayer had a father who had arthritis, and young Mister Bayer learned from folk medicine healers in Germany 
that the bark of white willow was used in infusions to treat arthritis, and, and they got relief from it. Young, the young Bayer was a chemist. He isolated the active principles of the white willow, and he discovered it was salicylic acid. He synthesized acetyl salicylic acid, which is called aspirin. That's the beginning of the whole Bayer company based on a natural product. It's a fascinating story yeah. and should never be forgotten. What business were you in, did you say? I'm a retired. I was a psychologist. Fabulous. Love it. Love it. Love the intelligence of my audience. I'll be right back to take your calls right here on The Savage Nation. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. The scientists are telling us that if we don't act incredibly boldly within the next six, seven years, there wow. will be irreparable damage done, not just to Nevada, not just to Vermont or Massachusetts, but to the entire world. Joe said it right. This is an existential threat. You know what that means, Chuck? That means we're fighting for the future of this planet. And the Green New Deal that I support, by the way, will create up to 20 million good-paying jobs okay, as we move up. our... I'll turn them off. Turn the bum off. 20 million jobs. The man has never created a job or service anyone ever needed. And he's a scam artist. A scam artist that you on the left don't know anything about. Old Town Media ring a bell with you? That's a company he and his uh, criminal wife, Jane, set up. Old Town Media is a media buying company with 10% or more of it, probably 15% of the money they allegedly are spending on media buys, going to his uh, compatriot in crime, uh, Jane Sanders. They're a team like in The Sopranos. They busted out a university and got away with it. They were able to quash the entire investigation of how they bumped, they burned out a college. They took it over like a sporting goods store in Sopranos. And by running up credit, they busted it out and left the college broke. They busted out a college. Doesn't that bother you, all you college girls? Nah. Doesn't it bother you that he's funneling money through a media company and his daughter is making money off the, off the, uh, the VIG? Nah. Why? Because he says the right things to you because you're a fool. Well... I think last week we had 12 years to stop global warming. Uh, last year, before that, we had nine minutes to stop global warming. Uh, the, the year before that, we had 12 seconds uh, to make sure that the planet, we leave our children and a planet that is healthy and habitable. Bernie's an expert on the environment. Take a look at him. You'll see how healthy he looks. You know, the one thing I love about Bernie, and I do this, something I tell my friends that I actually admire about him, whether you believe it or not, is how a man 78 years old who's had a heart attack and two stents can go back on the campaign trail with so much vigor and hatred. He's actually a medical uh, uh, anomaly. I, I, I wonder, is there something I'm not seeing here? How do you go back on a campaign trail after a heart attack and two stents, literally within a week, wave your arms around, scream and yell with hatred, not change your pitch or your tone, and not drop dead of an, another heart attack? I don't know what he's taking. I have no idea what... The only thing I could think of is that the haters like him are so motivated by, by an animus towards certain things. And in this case, it's towards white men who are more successful than him, better looking than him, with better looking wives than him. He's the, the resentful type. That's what gave him the heart attack to begin with. He's filled with hate. He was known as a bum in New York. Everyone who knew him knew he was a bum. Everyone who knew him knew he was a mook, a bum, a no-good Nick, a commie, a rat bum 
How does he do it after a heart attack? Is there a doctor in the audience who can tell me how a man who has had two stents can get away with acting the same way he did before he had the heart attack without dropping dead in front of us? What the hell is he on? I imagine he's on blood thinners, anti-cholesterol medication. I don't know what else. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Now, we've been asking, uh, is Bloomberg through? I don't think he's through, by the way. And I think the media is wrong on that. I said Sanders is the Democrats' worst nightmare. He's become the David Duke of the left. It's McGovern versus Nixon, Redoux, 1972, all over again. Instantly, I want to thank you. This is amazing. My Twitter following went up by 100,000 in just an hour because I asked you, if you're not on Twitter, to go and get a Twitter account and follow me at, at a Savage Nation. Apparently, 100,000 of you did so in one hour. That's pretty amazing. I never bought for one Twitter follower, unlike many in the media who bought their followings. Uh, thank you very much, because I do tweet and most of the uh, people in the media listen, uh, follow my tweets. I know it for a fact. Even people who are not in my political <laughs> a camp follow my tweets to see what I'm thinking. I know it for a fact. So that, that's the point. I'm good with words. So now we are joined by a real journalist. Jennifer Harper is with the Washington Times. Her column is called Inside the Beltway. And Jennifer Harper, roll of the drums. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Hi there, Doc. It's good to talk to you. Wow, this sounds like a waterbed ad, the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You have a great radio voice. Oh, well, good. <laughs> there used to be a guy on the on the tele, on TV a late night in San Francisco who advertised waterbeds in the 70s. He used to put me to sleep every night. Uh, I, I hated waterbeds, by the way. Uh, so we're talking about the debate. Um, I don't think Bloomberg is finished. Do you? No, absolutely not. I think he's kind of just getting started, and uh, I think he... He uh, was sort of getting his sea legs last night, and, and uh, um, you know, hilariously today, I mean, this kind of shows what kind of a politician he just might be, because within hours of his debate, he got up on the stage in front of uh, some of his fans in Utah, and he joked around about his his uh, quote-unquote performance during the debate, and hilariously enough, he said the real winner in the debate was Donald Trump. and. Right. Uh, he uh, he also cautioned his uh, fans that if they were to nominate the wrong person, it would be a fatal error. So he was kind of right back on his feet, and I think uh, uh, he's going to have a lot much longer story than the uh, perhaps the media might uh, enjoy. I think so too. Um, Robert, could you please play Bloomberg saying the real winner last night was Donald Trump? We grabbed that soundbite. Let's play it if you can grab a hold of it. It's a very important soundbite today. Because it shows he's smart and he's quick on his feet, and he's far from uh, uh, finished. Robert, do you have a Look, chance to get Look, the real winner in the debate last go. night was Donald Trump. Because I worry that we may very well be on the way to nominating somebody who cannot win in November. And if we choose a candidate who appeals to a small base like Senator Sanders, it will be a fatal error. We need Democrats and Independents and Republicans to win. Jennifer, that's that's the the soundbite. Now we all remember those of us who studied politics, the radical McGovern, who very much appealed to the same coalition of uh, uh, radicals, potheads, rioters, draft dodgers, and hippies that Sanders appeals to. Isn't it sort of similar? Well, I think there's somewhat of a. Um, uh 
you know, similarities there, but certainly uh, Mr. Sanders' outreach is completely amplified by the media, and the media is very eager to cover him because he's fun to cover. He always has a has a uh, immediate uh, response, and um, I certainly think he's trying to imitate President Trump in a lot of... Uh, he, yeah, he's very glib. He's very, very racist. He hates white people. That he makes very clear. And as as such, though, I think he's he's going to damn the Democrat Party to the margins. I don't see how they're going to vote. I don't see how they're going to get moderates to come over to him. Well, that's that's true. And indeed, I think um, also there are a lot of um, expectations that may not be met here, because uh, certainly when he goes on the campaign stage, he presents this sort of glowing um, vision of socialism. Although I have to tell you, Michael, uh, he's kind of toned that down a little bit, because uh, recently yeah. someone asked him about democratic socialism, and he said, oh, well, it's really a form of vibrant democracy. Oh, well, he modified his pitch all of a sudden. What was working... Uh, in, in the slums and in the colleges isn't working nationally. Yeah, he did. I mean, he he modified that. But on the other hand, um, there's a there's a huge population of people that are are very much buying into this, and they think, oh, well, yeah. it's kind of a. Oh, I agree, a hundred percent. Yeah. Fam- Listen, Jennifer, I just got a medical bill for something I had done in December. I was shocked. It was a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. What? Now, luckily, I'm covered by insurance and Medicare and all that, but. How does the average person who has a little catastrophe, who goes to a hospital, afford hospital care in America? Now, if you're an illegal alien, you can get the best of care in the world for free. That is why people like me or taxpayers have to pay triple the cost of what something should be. We're picking up the tab for the third world in our nursing home, excuse me, in our hospitals. You know, how come no one mentions that? Why are they not allowed to mention that illegal aliens shouldn't be entitled to the same care that we're getting here? Who gave them that right? Well, you know, I mean, certainly I think that's going to come up. And, and also, you know, when you bring up uh, Senator Sanders, there's a lot of polling out there that uh, supports the idea that socialism is becoming mainstream. In fact, uh, there was a recent analysis, Michael, that said that uh, socialism had lost its, quote, Soviet stigma. And, uh, you know, there, there we are at our vibrant democracy. And uh, uh, I think you'll be amused to know that uh, New York Magazine uh, has uh, identified a social- socialism chic among the young folks of uh, New York and the surrounding boroughs, and there's even a socialist dating service. And uh, in terms of voters, um, uh, a new uh, poll out there from the Washington Post is indicating that 70% of Democratic voters say it does not matter to them that uh, Mr. Sanders is a quote-unquote socialist. So there Yeah, you no, I believe you. I, I totally see the demographic change in America, and I understand the lack of education, the lack of history, the lack of knowledge. They've never read Santayana. They don't know that those who do not know their history are condemned to repeat it. And I'm afraid all of us are going to have to repeat it with them when they pull us over the cliff. Because as Margaret Thatcher famously said, socialism is a great system until you run out of other people's money. Apparently, they haven't learned that one either. Yeah, I mean, simply put, a lot of uh, media people are very, uh, they're not very, well, they're very reluctant to uh, point out the fact that there is a lot of feel-good stuff of being associated with socialism right now, but somebody has to pay for that. Well, their argument is take it from the military, take it from the rich, there should be no millionaires and billionaires, I've heard it all before. But then again, Bernie's become quite wealthy, he owns three houses, he uh, busted out a college in Vermont, gotten away with it. He uh, runs a fake media company, so he can siphon off 10 to 15% of media buys to his daughter and his family. This is shocking stuff. I mean, it's classic socialism, which is he's lying to the people and becoming rich by doing so. 
Well, and another thing, uh, in terms of his campaign, uh, Senator Sanders has spent $42 million on his entire campaign season so far. But interestingly to note, back to our friend uh, Michael Bloomberg, he uh, he's worth $62.4 billion. That's billion with a B. And so far, just in the past few weeks, Michael, he's spent $418 million. Think about that. Reach. He's just getting started here. No, it's unbelievable. You know, but here's the thing about Bloomberg that I can't help but admiring. He didn't steal it from anyone. He has a phenomenally vibrant set of companies that really provide great products that people love. Yes, he did. And, and uh, I, I read his biography, and it's, uh, he uh, cites his favorite book as a childhood book, book that he uh, read once upon a time in the colonial era. And I think a lot of people will start paying attention to these things as we go forward. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, he, he did that. Uh, Jennifer Harper of, of the Washington Times, how did Bloomberg begin? What, did he inherit a company from his dad, a printing company? Uh, no, as far as I can tell, in, in the beginning, he, he um, you know, he sort of started out as a, a, a eager young man in New York, and he eventually came up with a way to transmit the news, and that was the beginning of Bloomberg News, and he was smart enough to parlay that and to read the marketplace and, and the potential audiences enough so that he did make a lot of uh, money. I mean, you know, $62.4 billion with a B dollars to me is like unfathomable, but uh, that's where he is right now. Well, they attacked him on that when they said there should be no billionaires. In fact, when, when he attacked Sanders for having three homes and being a socialist, of course, Sanders went on the attack, said he's very proud of it. And he said, and what city do you live in? And what tax dodge city do you live in? And Bloomberg came back quickly and he said, I live in New York City and I pay my taxes because I get good services, which I thought was a very good uh, comeback, incidentally. Yeah, it was, and, and and you know, it's interesting. You bring up all the melodrama and anger and everything else that that was on the stage last night, and some of that was manufactured, certainly, with everyone trying to uh, sort of somehow recreate the incredible, authentic uh, enthusiasm that you see at a Trump rally. But you have to ask yourself, you know, was it real? Was it fake? Did it sway voters? But the larger question uh, here, Michael, it, did any of them appear presidential last night? That's mm. big, uh, that's the big takeaway there, because that's a a skill. Um, that somehow President Trump has mastered. He he can uh, tell a fantastic joke. He can make you want to cry or or make his uh, make voters pay attention. Uh, but he always uh, has a certain presidential demeanor working under there. So last night you got to wonder who was presidential among that group. And I think they're just uh, mm. starting out there. That's a very good question. And I think the for me the only answer was the rationalist businessman Bloomberg. Uh, as though he doesn't have the, he does not have great charisma. He was very very measured. He didn't lose his composure. His face didn't change uh, during the attacks. Uh, could you explain to the audience, Jennifer Harper of the Washington Times, hmm. what is a brokered convention? What does that actually mean? Well, I'll have to tell you, I'm not I'm not as as familiar with all of that. I'll be honest with you, I'm really not as familiar with that, all that. And it's funny you mentioned it because I was just reading up it on. on um, okay, no, though I'm not trying to pressure you. I thought you would know more about it than me. I don't know what it means. It seems to me like it means that they just basically uh, pick someone, <laughs> irrespective of what well, what the I, voters want. If there's not a really pronounced uh, leader there, I think that's what happens. And it's funny you mention it because I was just looking at it this afternoon because I thought, oh, my gosh, I need to know all about this also. So you and I <laughs> exchange notes on that. <laughs> and by the way, Jennifer Harper, thank you for writing that great column about me 
this week. What was the title of it? I posted um, it. Well, let's rep- see. I we forgot that as well, didn't we? Well, <laughs> nah. your your book be, your book being the most stolen in uh, yes Francisco libraries is very telling. And to me, when I the reason I wrote that, Michael, was because. Uh, it was more telling to me than a than a normal poll would be because this is organic stuff. I mean, over the years, if they can't keep your books in stock because people are running off with them, uh, that says something to me. That's a cultural moment. So you were part of a cultural moment there, uh, Dr. Savage. Well, I remember the title now, The Enduring Popularity of Michael Savage by Jennifer Harper, Washington Times. And you said it was very telling and also politically very important. But you know, Jennifer, you know that you're the only journalist who who uh, picked up on that SF Gate article? All of the other people who were so-called conservatives ignored it because I'm not a member of the uh, of the club. But anyway, I want to thank you, Jennifer, for being uh, a realist and a centrist. Or a, I don't know how to define you. I just like your writing. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, my main mission in life is to try to, uh, at least in journalism, not in life necessarily, but is to try to engage people and and give them some tools to work with. Like, you know, if it's quoting a poll or or pointing out something that matters uh, that doesn't necessarily conform to uh, the norm, such as your books not being able to uh, uh, be held down in the San Francisco libraries. As we know, that's uh, uh, House Speaker Pelosi's home turf, and uh, it, it tells a lot about uh, what people are paying attention to out there. So there might yeah, who's st- we don't know who's stealing the books, though, whether it's uh, the <laughs> liberals stealing it to trash it. Or poor people who want to read it and can't get a copy and selling them on eBay. I don't know. Anyway, Jennifer Hopper, Washington Times, thank you very much for being with us. I hope you make it a regular occurrence right here on the Savage Nation. Jennifer, thank you. Thank you. Maybe we should do this every week, guys. She's great. She's very personable. Comes across. I never spoke with her on the phone. It's really nice. When I come back, will Bloomberg last? Will he be the nominee? Who do you think will drop out first from this current crop? Right here on the Savage Nation. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. (laughs) It's ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. Oh, don't say that, scream all the communists on the stage. He's not finished at all. He's only gotten started. His face didn't break once. He's a skilled politician. He built the business on his own from virtually nothing. Now, you have to know something about Bloomberg. He's an Eagle Scout. Did you know that? No, he's not playing that up enough. Did you know he's a pilot? No, you didn't know that. You should know that as well. You see, these are the things that his own team should be talking about. Are any of the other candidates up there Eagle Scouts or pilots? No. No. Why don't we know that about him? Because he doesn't have a very good team, by the way. And he went to Johns Hopkins. He was in Phi Kappa Psi. Uh, He graduated in 64 with a BS in electrical engineering. Then he went to Harvard Business School, got an MBA. And he went into Wall Street at the Salomon Brothers, where he headed equity trading. He's a very smart guy. And while he was there, he left after it was bought out. He got $10 million worth of equity as a partner at the firm. And instead of retiring, Bloomberg used this money 
to uh, set up a new company called Innovative Marketing Systems, Market Systems. It was based on the realization that Wall Street and the financial community in general was willing to pay for high-quality business information, delivered quickly in many usable forms, delivered via technology. This was way back in the, in the um, 80s, in the 70s. So Bloomberg, along with other men, developed and built a computerized system to provide real-time market data, financial calculations, and other financial analytics to Wall Street firms. They were first called Market Master Terminals, then Bloomberg Terminals in 1983. Merrill Lynch became Bloomberg's first customer, and the rest is history. And so he created a great product and a great service that actually provides something as opposed to the communists that you saw up there and the losers and flops who've never created a product or service that anyone ever needed. And as such, he's a viable candidate. You can mock his size all you want. If you want to be a moron and you want to pretend you're a schoolyard bully and it makes you feel bigger and it makes you feel like you don't need Viagra anymore, go ahead, make my day. What do I care what you do? Bloomberg is far from finished. I may be the only one in the media saying it now or the first one in the media saying it now, but I will not be the last. Thank you for listening to The Savage Nation. The Westwood One Podcast Network.